Welcome to the Human Flourishing Project. I'm Alex Epstein. Hope everyone is doing well. I don't know if you can tell at this point in the recording, but my voice is not flourishing. Uh, I think I might have brought this up in the last episode. I definitely need to rest it, so I'm going to keep this episode quick. But I do think I have a valuable concept today and a specific recommendation that's really cool that uh, is an illustration of that concept. So the concept today is learning from master practitioner teachers, practitioner hyphen teachers. And that's a kind of long uh, collection of words, but I can't think of a better one. So I'm going to keep it for now, master practitioner teachers. And as context for this, I want to refer back to, I think it was episode 26, which is was about the search for superior systems. And I talked about how in any field, it's really an incredible blessing if we can find a, a person who gives us like a system that we can implement. So it's, an, it's knowledge that's integrated in a way that's accurate, but also very uh, applicable. And I, I discussed three aspects of a superior system builder. So one is they have an unusually clear and integrated understanding of their field. Two is they have a transferable system that is transferable to the rest of us that embodies their understanding. And then three, that system has been demonstrated to work for a lot of people when applied with all the complexity of reality. So go back to that episode if you want to learn more about that. But I've been thinking recently about who are the best superior system builders. And one way of thinking of them is they are often master practitioner teachers. And I want to talk about this in the context of business knowledge and business-related systems, in part because the recommendation I have today is a, a business book that I think is really good uh, and possibly profound. So the thing in, in business that's an issue is that if, if you take these elements of a superior system you really, you know, what you want is you want to learn from the people who have a system that has been demonstrated to work for a lot of people when applied with all the complexity of reality. Or at least you want, I mean, another way to think of it is you want, you want the people who have built the best systems for themselves, you, you know, you, you want what about that system is generalizable. So you think like, oh, well, I would love to, you know, what is generalizable about what Steve Jobs did at Apple, or what's generalizable about what uh, Jeff Bezos has done with Amazon. And if you take just those two examples, it is very, very hard to learn about that. Why? Well, so those are, I would regard those as definitely two master practitioners of business. But observe that those master practitioners are not aspiring to be master teachers. And for understandable reasons, they have finite time and they're focused on their own goals and they're not focused on teaching the world how to be the next them or even how to learn everything that's generalizable about them, even if we can't match all of their specific attributes and, and virtues and the, just the specific circumstances and markets of their specific uh, companies. But you, you could imagine if Steve Jobs devoted himself for you know, spent 10 years uh, really trying to conceptualize what he's done in business, that would be cool. The same is true 
of Jeff Bezos. But often what you find is they either don't have the motivation to do this or and or there's an element of secrecy to it. So one example of the secrecy is there's a really interesting company called Valve in the video game space. And I'm not particularly into video games. I was when I was much younger, but they have this thing called the Valve Handbook that you can find on the internet. And it's really intriguing in terms of a, a, what, what is sometimes called a very horizontal model. And, but there's so many, you read that handbook and there are just so many questions. So it's giving you a glimmer of what they're doing, but you want to know all these details. I, I once had the opportunity to go to Valve. I met someone randomly who worked at Valve and I interviewed some of the people and asked them questions. That was really cool. And I got a bunch from that, but uh, which in part I shouldn't really discuss, uh, but in part, it's not like I really under learned everything or anywhere near close to that, but because they're not focused on, on being master teachers of that to the public you know, maybe internally they have something, but it might be internally they have general guidelines, but then they're just a lot of specific practices that are embodied in the company and embodied in the particular people. But nevertheless, insofar as Valve is doing something really profound or they've discovered something that's generalizable, it's very hard to access that. When you look at who are the people who aspire to be master teachers in business, it's often academics or other people who haven't run really successful businesses, but are trying to, they're trying to look at the different instances of, of successful businesses and then integrate the similarities so that we can learn generalizable things. And that's, that's, there, there's value there, but there's just, there's, there's often, I think, a justifiable feeling among actual businessmen that, you know, these books don't really capture the reality of working in business. This person's looking at it from a, a level where you couldn't you can't really apply what they're doing. Or it, you can't at least apply it all that well. And and maybe it's it could be well it's true, but it's just pretty abstract. So that's one thing. Or it could be it's just in part because it's abstract and because they're not really connected to reality, they're giving guidance that that might be true sometimes and not true um, other times. So what you would really want, whereas if you're dealing with a master practitioner, one thing you find with master practitioners is when they're giving guidance, they're very, very focused on the reality of what it's like. Uh, I too often use examples from Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu because it's a hobby of mine that involves systematic knowledge, but I'll, I'll do that at the risk of confusing people. But there's, there's a guy, really one of the best competitors of all time, his name is spelled Rafael, pronounced in Portuguese, Rafael Mendez. And I like watching his instruction, but in part, I like watching it because he always talks about what it's like to implement the move in the context of com of competition with a highly resisting opponent. And he talks about that, and he's focused on moves that will really work with somebody who's skilled, and he talks about just the circumstances of applying it. And you can tell that he has a certain amount of disdain or at least disregard for when people are teaching moves that work well if the opponent isn't all that good, but that really won't work if the opponent is good. So maybe someone will teach an eight-step sequence, but someone who's good would start countering you at step two or step one of that sequence, and you would never even get to step eight. But if you are, if you're acting, if, if somebody who's more thinking of themselves as a master teacher, they think, oh, I've got this great sequence, um, to you know, 
do a joint lock on somebody to subdue them. And Mendez will say, no, like that's not actually going to work. Let me show you what will work and, and the kinds of adjustments you have to make in practice. And so there's just this general thing where the, the practitioners, when they're giving guidance, tend to give very applicable guidance if they're trying at all to be master teachers. Sometimes they just give guidance and then there's no, they just don't even know what they're doing. And that can be a phenomenon too. So sometimes they don't know what they're doing. Sometimes they're not interested in systematizing it for other people. Sometimes they're not interested, just motivate, you know, sometimes they're not motivated. Uh, sometimes they're motivated not to share it. So it's, it's unfortunate that we don't often get the master practitioner who also wants to be a master teacher. But knowing that that's the ideal in many ways can point us toward the situations where that is is the case. And I want to talk about this in business. Now, my historical example of the master practitioner teacher was Ed Catmull of Pixar, who wrote the book Creativity, Inc., that I have not read in several years, but I really liked when I uh, read it and I'd, I'd still recommend it. I need to reread it soon. But even he's very focused on how does a company foster creativity um, with all in the context of all the realities that can make it difficult to do that, particularly as you have a large organization. And one of the things about Catmull that was really remarkable, I think he retired recently, but he was very, you know, very talented guy. He was an innovator in, in computer science and computer graphics, but he also was very successful as an executive at Pixar. But from the beginning, he was very interested in the theory of it. And he has, he has an academic background in computer science and he's interested in, in systematizing things. And that's always great when you have the practitioner who's really interested in systematizing things and then who wants to share it. So Creativity Inc. I thought was a really good example. But recently I've been reading what I think is a considerably better example, and I, I'm really impressed by it, although I have to say I have not successfully implemented it since I've just been reading it in the last uh, day. I'm two-thirds of the way through. But this is really a, a uh, special book, and the book is called No Rules Rules by Reed Hastings, the founder and CEO of Netflix, or the co-founder and CEO of Netflix, I think he goes by. So I assume everyone is familiar with Netflix. It's this wildly successful company. I mean, it's one of the most successful companies in the world right now. And the CEO has taken the time collaborating with a, a business writer, Erin uh, something. I apologize, I don't have her last name on hand. But he is right now choosing to share his system for business at the peak of his career and he's really trying to explain it uh, effectively. So that in and of itself, when I saw that, I thought, oh wow, this is, this is something special. Like You do not get this very often, so this is something to take advantage of. There's a ton to say about the content of this book that I think is just fascinating and strikes me as very, very right. And maybe I'll talk about that in a subsequent episode. But here I just want to emphasize the fact that you have a master practitioner who's aspiring to be a master teacher. And part of what's so exciting about this is he really is giving a step-by-step -step sequence for how to do this. So he has different kinds of principles, but he emphasizes that there's a certain kind of sequence that you want to implement them in. So I'll just 
give you an overview of just the chapters, just reading the, the chapters at the beginning. So he has section one, which is first steps to a culture of freedom and responsibility. And chapter one is first build up talent density, which is a key concept. But it's interesting. He says, like, first you have to do this. And then with talent density and with everything else, he gives very clear guidance, a lot of examples. He explains why this is so important, what exactly it means, uh, what are the different pitfalls in trying to achieve it, how you achieve it, what you do when there's a really talented person available, but you don't have the budget for them, uh, how you like how you up level your company by letting go of people when the talent density isn't correct. It's just super, super practical, but also theoretically very clear. So within the sequence, each section is very concrete. I found it very actionable. They would bring up the difficult kinds of questions that you would have about this. And so much of the reason is because this is a master practitioner. So he knows what it's like to be in the weeds of everything and to actually have to do this in reality. It's not just an idea he came up with or an idea he generalized from observing other people. This is an idea that he's implemented with thousands and thousands and thousands of people. And that, that is really uh, a gift that we should take advantage of. So the second chapter is then increase candor. So it's this idea of first you have the talent density and then you can have a lot of candor. If you don't have the talent density, if you don't have the right people, then you can't be candid because people won't have the intelligence and the ability to really constructively engage in candor. Then he talks about, then you start removing uh, controls like vacation policies and travel and expense approvals. But he's emphasizing you, know, you need to have a certain talent level there and then you need to be candid in a certain way and then you can start to have this uh, freedom. And my voice is really fading, so I won't read the other things because hopefully this is motivating enough uh, to read, to motivate you to read it, but also to motivate you to look for other people like this. So I'm very eager to know, can listeners think of other people who are master practitioner teachers? Because these are going to be a source of gold. Not that it's guaranteed that they're going to be right about everything, but you can imagine just reading two or three of these in a field and you'll get such, such a good basis for uh, deciding what ideas to try implementing yourself. So I think we're very fortunate to have this new book, No Rules Rules. And I've talked about in the realm of jujitsu how there's this guy named John Danaher, who's this legendary coach who's very much uh, giving, a, he's very much an, a master practitioner teacher. Now he's a coach, but he's a he's also very good himself by all accounts at jujitsu. Uh, but he's, you know, he's coaching people so it's and, and making them uh, very very good consistently so there's there's definitely I would consider that a practitioner uh, of sorts as well and maybe there are some good books by coaches that people can recommend but I'm very very interested in anything by a master practitioner teacher in pretty much any field that's remotely interesting I think there's just so much to learn from these people it's so rare to my knowledge to have them do this and so we should take maximum advantage of it. All right, that is it for today. Um, again, if you want to know more about superior systems, go back to that episode 26, the search for superior systems, and check out No Rules Rules, and especially let me know if you can think of any 
other master practitioner teachers that we all can learn from. You can share that on the Facebook page, so facebook.com slash human flourishing project. You can email me, alex at alexepstein.com. And as always, if you want to get the biweekly updates about new episodes, go to humanflourishingproject.com and sign up. All right, that's it for this week. I'll be back in two weeks. Until then, I'm Alex Epstein. This has been the Human Flourishing Project.